Welcome to the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your employees all the information they need to be successful at their jobs. Now, let's get started with the show. Chad Franson here, co-host of the Process Breakdown Podcast, where we talk about streamlining and scaling operations of your company, getting rid of bottlenecks, and giving your staff everything they need to be successful at their job. Past guests include David Allen of Getting Things Done and Michael Gerber of The E-Myth, and many more. This episode is brought to you by Sweet Process. Have you had team members ask you the same questions over and over again, and this is the 10th time you spent explaining it? There's a better way and a solution. Sweet Process is a software that makes it drop-dead easy to train and onboard new staff and save time with existing staff. Not only do universities, banks, hospitals, and software companies use them, but first responder government agencies use them in life-or-death situations to run their operations. Use Sweet Process to document all the repetitive tasks that eat up your precious time so you can focus on growing your team and empowering them to do their best work. Sign up for a 14-day free trial, no credit card required. Go to sweetprocess.com. That's sweet like candy, S-W-E-E-T process.com. With 25 years of financial and operations management experience, Jennifer Templeman has dedicated her career to nonprofit excellence. As the president and CEO of Jumpstart for Young Children, she oversees all their internal operations, including finance, technology, legal and compliance, risk management, program implementation, and evaluation. In addition to running a national organization, she also runs her family's operations with her husband and three sons near Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, Jennifer, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, so so tell me more about what Jumpstart for Young Children is and what you guys do. So Jumpstart is a national nonprofit. Um, we are um, an early literacy organization where we take trained adult volunteers who are college students. We train them in our curriculum, in our programming, and then we deploy them into under-resourced communities to Uh, provide that curriculum in an under-resourced preschool classroom to really help prepare those pre-kindergartners for success in kindergarten. Um, We have relationships with over 70 universities. We are in 15 states um, and really see a key part of our vision is ensuring that there will be a day in America where every child enters kindergarten prepared to succeed. Great. Very nice. So what is involved kind of in your day-to-day role as COO? Um, I always tell people the the core part of my job is basically taking chaos and trying to turn it into some form of order. Um, So depending upon the day, a lot of the work that comes up to me is around assessing risk um, and then making decisions about whether to move or not move, whether to mitigate or not mitigate, or whether to pass on whatever an opportunity may be. Um, So the bulk of my time is really working with some wonderful high-performing teams and setting them up to be successful depending upon what their area of focus is. When you say assessing risk, what's an example of a kind of risk that you might uh, have to assess in 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 a typical day? Well, so Jumpstart is a nonprofit, which means most of our revenue comes through private philanthropy. 
Um, but in order to grow our footprint, I have to make a decision usually a year ahead of when some of that private philanthropy is secured. So if someone in a new state were to come to us, for example, and say, we would love to have Jumpstart come to our schools, um, I need to make a go, no-go decision sometimes without the revenue fully committed in hand. And in doing so, I'm putting our organization on the hook for launching that program and then figuring out how to make the financial situation uh, balance as it needs to in the reality of real time. Um, there are a lot of other levers that we can pull, but that's sort of an easy one to, to think about how much risk are we willing to accept as we begin to plan for the strategy of growth in the future. There's that, other risks around legal issues, of course, because talent management is a piece of that, but we're working with vulnerable populations. So we're working with young children and we're working with college students. So right now in COVID, are we going to allow college students to go into a preschool without a mask on if the preschool doesn't require it? Or are we going to say, no, nope, Jumpstart has a standard policy about masks. So all of those types of things would wind up bubbling up to me. Is there a kind of a criteria that you have in terms of uh, taking a financial risk, like going somewhere without all of the money secured or, or do you just go on gut feeling? <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, there's all kinds of criteria um, and there's all kinds of indicators that I would look for. So before I would say, yes, let's go into this new state, I would want to see what the research is telling me about what does private philanthropy look like in that state? Is there the existence at least of some community partners that could help to open doors to us? Um, if there aren't some of those leading indicators, like do we already have existing relationships with funders? in those areas that might be willing to maybe boost what they give now that we're in their back door, those types of things. If those things are in place, then I'm much more inclined to say, yes, let's move forward and grow in this area. Um, if there's not, then I would be less inclined, though it's not necessarily completely off the table. Um, it really just depends upon so many other factors. But yeah, I have a whole long list of data points that I would look at. You talked about uh, kind of uh, supporting all of your staff. Um, does that start in the interview process? And if so, how does that look? I like to think it starts at the application process. Um, so from the moment that someone sees an opening at Jumpstart, I want them to understand the type of organization that they are considering joining. Um, so things like our, our job descriptions, we have tried to make them short and specific and really only elevate the things that we consider to be critical to success. Um, and we've tried to be honest with ourselves um, about what those things are. So industry standard would have you really feeling like you have to write college degree required, MBA preferred, but is it really? Um, and if it's not, don't say it. So really trying to cast as wide a net as possible and really be inclusive in how we are thinking about who we want to come join our team. So from the moment we post something, we're including the salary on every job opening at Jumpstart, just to be very clear about what we're truly looking for and what Jumpstart can bring to the table. Um, and then we're looking for people that are mission-minded. So we're trying to be really clear about that. And then we wanna use the interview process. So from the moment they apply, you know, are they hearing from our talent management team that says, thank you so much for applying. It's going to take us a few weeks to get back to you because we want to be sure everybody has the same opportunity you just had to submit materials. Um, and then as they get into the interview process, we have some very intentional uh, 
ways that we have sort of scaffolded our interviewing to make sure that it's truly a two-way street. Um, we tend to go into interviews thinking about it as the employers betting me to see if I'm worth it. Am I worth the risk to bring me into their organization? But I really want potential employees to look at me and say, is she worth it as a risk to be my future manager? Am I going to get what I need from her as a partner in this work? And can I see myself thriving in the organization? If they aren't able to get the answers they need to those questions, then we have failed them from the very beginning. Um, so Jumpstart has been very intentional in how we think about our recruitment, our hiring, and then our onboarding um, so that we're really able to attract that top talent and identify that top talent once we see them, um, bring them on board, and then get out of their way so they can do what we, we know they can do and really shine for all of us. You know, I've applied for a lot of jobs and not everybody has taken that same approach. Uh, why do you feel like that's important? When I was growing up, my mother used to say to start the way you want to finish. Um, so, you know, you go into an interaction with someone behaving um, from the very first time you speak to them the way you hope you'll still be behaving once you've known them for a year. So as a uh, employer, we should be treating our employers the same way and not making it this sort of foggy path of, well, I think this might be good. What they put in writing sounded good. I really can't tell. And then once you hire them and you pull the veil back, then they are faced with this uh, horrible feeling of, of, recruitment remorse, where they think, oh, this is not what I thought I was getting. And now you have turnover. So everyone, I think, uh, has seen reports that talks about the high cost of turnover, particularly as we've come through COVID. We have seen the, the great resignation, and we have seen employees being very intentional about uh, making sure they're getting their needs met with the employment relationship. So if we want to be competitive in a market like that, I feel like a lot more attention needs to go into the whole hiring process. Um, but more than that, if we want to be integrous with who we say we are as an organization, we are a service organization, Jumpstart is. So we need to be providing the same level of service to our potential employees that we do to our customers, so to speak, our children, our core members. Um, and so for us, that was an intentional decision. What we have seen as a dividend for having gone through that process to say, let's overhaul the way we do recruitment and really make it a conversation that is based in um, discovery two ways and that really brings in multiple points of view through the whole process is that we have very happy staff um, who feel like once they accept an offer, when they came to Jumpstart and they finished their onboarding, they're saying, this is exactly the organization I thought. This is exactly the role I thought I was getting. And they're staying. So what does, what does that look like? So you, you've, you've hired them. Uh, you've done a great job of recruiting them and hiring them. Uh, how, do, how do you support them um, after that? How do they notice? What might set you guys apart in terms of your support? Um, Jumpstart realized that as an organization that is based and steeped in education, we need to ensure that we're holding learning up as one of our core values. Um, we have five, learning is one of them, and that really needed to be present from day one uh, once they came on board. So we have a 90-day onboarding process. 
the first two weeks are are very much what you would expect. You know, uh, conversations with our talent management team around your benefits. This is how payroll works. This is how you get a corporate credit card, or you know, whatever the policies are. But we don't just end it at the end of those ten days. It's really ninety days of learning. Uh, where they're having scheduled and routine check-ins, not just with their manager, because I am not the only lens of our organization. They need to be meeting with their peers. Um, So if I were hiring someone new that's going to report to me, not only will they be meeting with me, but they're going to be meeting with my other direct reports so that they're building our community really at that level of the organization. And so it's not all hinged upon my my thoughts or my guidance, but that they're learning to build those relationships that will become keys to their success later. Um, So that by the end of that 90 days, they not only know how, what their role is going to expect of them, they know how our organization functions, but they've also built with intentionality, the relationships they're going to need to collaborate and be successful as they really fully embody that job description. And then uh, how does trust uh, work in with all of that? Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, um, you know, you get what you measure. We, we say that a lot. So as someone is hired, we set up 30 day goals for them, 60 day, 90 day, uh, so that they know month by month for that orientation period, exactly what is expected of me. And they can feel successful because it can be when you're hired into a high level role, you want to hit the ground running. You want to show your value from day one. And you often want to skip that that pesky learning period, but there is value in that. So you set the goals according to their ability to absorb and apply that information. And then once you get past the 90 days, you set those more, you know, performance, the KPI level type um, uh, goals that are really driven at the behaviors you want to see. Um, So we have, have done that, but once you have those goals established, my job is not to sit back and tell them, what kind of progress are you making towards your goal? You know, you were going to have uh, a thousand core members operating in California. I see you're only at 970. So what are you going to do about those last 30? How are you going to make this work? That's not trusting my employee. Yes, I have reports coming to me every day and I'm fully capable of, of looking at them and assessing them, but I hired them for a certain skill set. So the, the, my job is really to get out of their way and not tell them, I want you to do these five things today, because that I think is how you're going to meet this goal. But to ask them, I see there's some gap between, you know, where we were hoping we're going to be and where we are. What do you need from me um, to help you close that gap? What do you need from your team? What do you need from your peers? And how can I help you in getting that and trusting them? Because I built that relationship when they started I didn't start from a dictatorial place. I started from a place of building relationship and understanding so I can lean back into that as they begin to perform. Um, And what I have found is that when I walk with them, instead of walking ahead of them and telling them, please stay in my footprints, uh, they tend to exceed my expectations. Um, So for me, I have seen the greatest part of my success has been around my ability to cultivate a strong performing team not because I am so marvelous at my own performance, um, but because I have been very blessed in being able to set up systems that work well for how we identify talent, how we set them up for success. And then I can get out of their way and let them do that thing I hired them to do um, and do it really well 
and they will rise up to whatever that expectation is. Have you always taken that approach, that kind of walk with you, rather than the lead, you know, shout at you from the front? (laughs) No, no. If I'm being completely honest, of course not. I think uh, as we all move throughout our careers, and I made that sort of transition from being in management to being in senior level management, there was an adjustment there and, and the expectations aren't the same, but I went into it doing what I had always done. You know, I managed a team, I managed a team to specific indicators. We looked at those uh, ballot scorecards or at our dashboards on a monthly basis and we made adjustments. And yes, I do still do that. But as you move into the, the more senior level roles, you're not talking to the same level people either. And so you need to adjust your own behaviors. And so it did not take me long to see that it would work. You can certainly do it that way. It is exhausting. And it is basically um, as your job expands, usually at a COO level, for example, um, I can't stay in the day-to-day of all of those things. So what is it that I am bringing? What is the value add of my role? Um, And why does an organization like Jumpstart need someone at my level? If it's not for me to constantly be pointing out, I need you to pull this lever. I need you to push that button. I need you to do this task. um, What is it? And so it really is about that relationship. You know, Jumpstart, and, and I have been at the organization long enough now to have seen and really understood why we say, We want to only hire people that are truly committed to our mission. If they're not, they're not going to enjoy their employment as much. And one of the core tenets of our curriculum is the magic that happens when you build this intentional relationship between an adult and a child. So why would I not want to capitalize on that same belief and say, can we recreate that same level of magic when we cultivate intentional relationships between a COO and my VPs. And yes, you can. And so part of that is recognizing you are a VP. You have brought to this organization decades of experience and skills. I would like to capitalize on the diversity that you are bringing into the organization by getting out of your way um, and letting you do what you do. The more I step aside, the more I feel like I am brought into the conversation. And I do feel like there's some trust that, of course, has to be cultivated and built, but it has to be given first by the manager. Um, and once you do that, it has has really taken on as sort of a part of our operating culture. That's great. Those are, those are some great insights. I have one last question for you. But first, how can people find out more about Jumpstart? Uh, I always point people to our website first, uh, which is www.jstart.org. And uh, if you go there, you will find a list of all of the universities where we're located and all of the communities where we serve. Okay. My last question for you. Are there any books that you have found particularly uh, valuable or enjoyable in terms of in your kind of your leadership journey? So many. Oh, my goodness. The one that I'm reading right now um, is we can't talk about that at work. Um, So as I talk about sort of generating these really authentic relationships, it really does mean sometimes talking about things that you perhaps are not as comfortable talking about. So I am a white woman. I supervise many people of color. 
And so I need to always be cognizant of what, right from the very beginning of our conversation, um, what are differences that we're bringing into this conversation in order to make room and really encourage those differences to be a part of it. And so I think as we as an organization have focused more on diversity, equity, and inclusion, you certainly focus on it as buzzwords. You focus on it thinking about um, how data shows that diversity does help to increase creativity and productivity. Um, but until it becomes an individual journey as well, you're not really going to see all of those things. And for me, it really became a part of if I'm building authentic relationships, I need to continuously work on my own learning so I can be just really able to own the privilege that I bring into a conversation and the experiences that I brought in as well and make room for whoever I'm meeting with to do the same. So that was the most recent book that I've been reading to help guide that journey. Great. Hey, uh, Jennifer, it's been great to talk to you today. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you so much. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Process Breakdown Podcast. Before you go, quick question. Do you want a tool that makes it easy to document processes, procedures, and or policies for your company so that your employees have all the information they need to be successful at their job? If yes, sign up for a free 14-day trial of Sweet Process. No credit card is required to sign up. Go to sweetprocess.com, sweet like candy, and process like process.com. Go now to sweetprocess.com and sign up for your risk-free 14-day trial. Hi, this is Owen, the CEO and co-founder here at Sweet Process. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast interview, uh, actually, you know what I want you to do? Go ahead and leave us a five-star review on iTunes. That way we get more people aware of you know, the good stuff that you get here on this podcast. Again, go on to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Looking forward to reading your review. Have a good day. That's